Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I am Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia, and I've been involved in politics for over 20 years, which makes me feel old. Uh, my guest today may not be 20 years involved in politics, but we'll find out. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast, you know I've talked to people from every state, from Maine to Hawaii, Alaska to Florida, all kinds of seats in between, from Senate to school board. Every election is important. There's 500,000 elected officials in this country, but I feel like the most important elections are actually state legislatures. They don't get enough attention, whether it's Pennsylvania or Missouri, where my guest today is from. Her name is Ashley Ani. She's a state representative in Missouri. She's been in the news more than she probably expected to be, but hopefully we'll talk about some of the good things she's doing. So, Ashley, thank you so much for talking today. Thank you so much for inviting me on today. Now, I want to ask a, a question about a bit of good luck maybe for you, because I noticed that your website, your email is ashleyformissouri.com. Were you happy that there were no other Ashleys that were for Missouri before, so you were able to scoop that up? You know what's funny is there actually was previously an Ashley for Missouri who ran several years before I did, and when I uh, tried to set up my Act Blue account, it was automatically linked to her, and so I had to go through a whole process to get that switched over to me. But yeah, I'm currently the only Ashley for Missouri. So when you did that, was it like an American Gladiators type thing where you had to like fight with those uh, foam boards and stuff? Not at all. She was not interested in running again. And she's more than happy to give me that handle. Well, that's a good transition because now we're going to talk about why you were interested in running. There are 500,000 elected officials, like I said, um, and that there are 330 or so million Americans. So most people are not running for office, but 100, over 100 million do vote. I presume you were a voter before you became active. What, what what made you decide not just to to run, but to become more active than just going to vote in an election? Uh, there were a lot of things. Um, it, it really my passion for politics started in college um, when I kind of saw folks getting more involved around me. One of my best friends was a political science major, pre law, and as soon as we graduated, she moved to Des Moines, Iowa, and started working on presidential elections in two thousand seven. Nice. So. Um, yeah, so I got to sort of see that level of politics as I got older. Um, my, my career was in marketing and advertising. I'm a writer by trade. And um, I always, I, I never really knew that politics was something I could actually get a job in. Uh, so I, I kind of stayed on the sidelines volunteering for campaigns. Um, but Several years ago, I became a stepmother, and uh, I moved to the Northland of Kansas City, um, and uh, I, I got highly involved in Moms Demand Action at that mm -hmm. point. Um, and, and that was really the catalyst. That and a few other connections that I made um, in that transition um, really made me realize that I could do more. I did an advocacy day down in Jefferson City at our capital with Moms Demand, um, and I saw how powerful it was to be able to speak to your state legislators, talk about your priorities, and really get feedback and 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 have some access to democracy. And I think that that was um, something that really inspired me. That was right before the pandemic in 2020. And um, by March of 2020, right before uh, filing closed and right before the entire state shut down for COVID, I decided to drive down to Jeff City and, and file to run uh, for state representative. Yeah, my first experience in politics was in Des Moines as well, working for, well, not presidential, the next year I did, but... Uh, what was your experience in doing that? Like your friend hearing it, did any of that stuff early on demystify some of politics for you? Because it certainly did for me. Yes, it did. And it, it, it 
it made me want more connection to politics. It made me want uh, more direct connection to my representatives and, and to what was happening in my community. And that's one of the, the reasons I ran for office truly in 2020 is because I realized our state representatives are just normal people. Mm -hmm. We could literally just call or text them if they were willing to have that back and forth. And I am willing to have that back and forth. I am willing to answer calls from constituents. And I think that that's what's missing a lot of times in state level politics is that through connection. Um, and I really wanted to be a catalyst for that in my community. Now, I want to ask other questions before this, get too into your current work, but does that both a positive and almost kind of scary when you look at the impact that your colleagues have, the governor has, Congress has, when you realize that the people making these consequential decisions are also, no offense to anybody, because I'm this person too, can't find the remote control. Like we're all just goofy people with a lot of responsibility. Absolutely. I can't tell you how often I'm in a, a room full of legislators and something funny or embarrassing happens for one of us. And we kind of look at each other and say, oh my gosh, we make laws. <laughs> you know, it is a bit of a running joke. But at the same time, I think that's what's so beautiful about our democracy is that at the end of the day, we're all people, we're all flawed people, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really important that our legislators are self-aware enough to, to be able to admit that, admit that we make mistakes too, that we have wrong opinions too sometimes, or that, you know, we're not able to represent all of our constituents at once on one issue sometimes. And that's okay. Now, you said you're a flawed person. I am too. We all have. We're just regular people. Um, so you demystified politics a little bit. But what, did you know what to expect when you decided to run for office? Did you people have you train? You're like, oh, this will be easy peasy. Or was it a whole new experience? It was a whole new experience. And and I should say that before I decided to run for office, um, I had previously started thinking about how I could use my marketing skills to help other candidates more mm -hmm. behind the scenes. And so um, I did, I, I went to a few candidate trainings um, and, and kind of learned a little bit about, you know, what it looked like to run for office um, in, in our communities. And, and it was uh, really um, really eye-opening. I feel like I learned a little bit, but man, it's like drinking from a fire hose when you actually pull that trigger for yourself. I learned so much so fast. Mm -hmm. um, but I also do believe that my background in marketing gave me a, a unique perspective and a unique ability to sort of navigate some of those challenges. So what's what's your area of Missouri like? Because when you're from outside of Missouri, I'm, I'm in the Philadelphia area. And unfortunately, I think that people who aren't from, especially you're from a redder state, um, so people kind of look at Missouri and think, well, that's Missouri or that's Kansas or South Carolina. Clearly, these areas are all different. What's what's your part like? Yeah. So I represent a suburb of Kansas City. Um, I, I represent a community um, in Platte County, Missouri, which is north of the river in Kansas City. We call ourselves the Northland. Um, but yeah, we're, we're a suburban community. Um, my county is was the fastest growing county in Missouri, according to the most recent census data. Um, and we're trending bluer. We're growing. Uh, we have fantastic schools. Um, we have a, a, you know, a wonderful community of um, left-leaning folks and families who um, just want, uh, you know, opportunities for their families. They want good jobs. They want access to health care, and they want safe schools for their kids. So when you were running, when you run for office, you make certain promises, whether it's to pass a certain bill or to, or to stand up to certain legislation. Um, but I, I know from my local government experience as well, you can, it's so easy to overpromise. How are you able to, when you know that it's going to be tough, you're going to be in the minority, there's going to be a Republican governor. It's going to be hard to make too many promises without, you know, you want to be honest. 
How do you uh, balance that with what you want to convey to your constituents? Absolutely. You know, I think that promising to pass legislation is an enormous mistake as a member of the super minority in a state legislature. Um, so I don't do that. What I do promise, though, is that um, that I'll consistently um, stand up uh, and and give a voice to Northland folks down in the legislature, uh, whether that is um, standing up for more left leaning values in a very red state um, or whether it's just standing up for marginalized folks who are constantly under attack in our state legislature. Um, you know, I also promise to work across the aisle. And that's one thing that I can keep my promise on every single day is that I know that I represent a fairly 50 50 district. Um, I did not have it was not smooth sailing. Uh, my last two elections, I fought for every single vote. And um, I think that that is it's, it's so important to remember when I go down um, to our capital is that I represent a whole lot of folks. Right. They have um, they're on every end of the political spectrum and, and everywhere in between. And I want to make sure that their voices are heard. Um, and, and to do that, um, I acknowledge the nuances in, in uh, a lot of the big issues that we face. Gun violence is one of them. I'm actually a gun owner, uh, but I also believe that we can create policy that'll, that will keep our kids uh, safe at school and our community safe from gun violence. Um, I think that it's a nuanced issue, and I think that we should be honest when we talk about it. I know a lot of people who participate in different advocacy, and especially gun issues, are so polarized. Not always necessarily with a regular person, but just in politics, right? Right. Um, but so it can be hard when it becomes emotional uh, to on that because I mean I I got very emotional when Uvalde happened because I have two kids, so the idea of it I was in tears at our council meeting just saying something mm -hmm. about it. Um, but you got to bridge that divide of people who feel very differently. How are you able to navigate that and how can other legislators navigate that to, to try to make some progress and inroads when, you know, the feelings are very strong and real? Yeah, it, it's really hard. In fact, uh, you know, speaking of Missouri making the news, uh, we had a, a pretty public floor debate a few weeks ago about uh, kids with guns. Um, we had an amendment we were offering um, that would um, – basically make it illegal for unaccompanied minors to um, possess a gun on public property. Um, well, the, the, the challenging part there is that um, where we're having this problem is St. Louis City, and that is a much more densely populated community than, say, uh, folks in the boot heel of Missouri and in, in, in the more rural parts, right? So when they hear that amendment, they hear, I can't take my kids hunting. But what St. Louis and Kansas City folks hear is we won't have children walking around with ARs which is literally happening, threatening folks, carjacking folks. Yeah. Um, and they're doing it because they're younger and that they'll get a, a reduced sentence compared to some of their older counterparts. Um, we have a problem that needs to be addressed, right? Um, but but they're, they're, they're unwilling to come to the table. And I think that that's, that's our first challenge is, is creating conversations and safe spaces for Republicans to come to the table on this issue where they're not going to um, be immediately ostracized by their own party um, for, for just discussing the issue. Yeah, it's really hard to me seeing it. I mean, I'm glad I, I see some people looking at states like Massachusetts or Oregon and where, you know, it's easy to pass with it or even Minnesota now where that, like, they have a just finally get a majority, a, a triple majority because the governor and the legislature. And so they can they can do things. Um, but you said Missouri was just in the news. Unfortunately, I guess Missouri is in the news a lot lately. 
Um, even just this week on social media, I saw I followed Jess Piper, who I had the podcast a while ago, you know, about some of the LGBTQ issues going on in Missouri. You were, I don't want to say just, but you're a regular person like everyone else. Is that something that you were kind of prepared with, with was you wanted to run to represent your community and now you're getting national recognition all over the place, not as Ashley Ani, but just as a legislator. Like, is that something you have to focus on a lot about like what the world's looking at here? Yeah, it is. And and it's something that kind of did surprise me uh, when I got into this job is I, I wasn't prepared for, for that aspect of it. Um, really because I, I believe that my job is to stand up for, for um, you know, my community and make sure that our priorities are heard, like I said. Um, but what I end up doing a lot of times is playing serious defense against some of the worst uh, policy proposals that, that I've, I've mm-hmm. heard um, this week. Uh, uh, Probably what Jess was talking about um, was the don't say gay bill that we heard in uh, the education committee. Um, it is a version of Florida's don't say gay bill, but it actually goes further and extends. Um, it, it would affect all all a kids K through 12. Um, and whereas I believe that uh, Florida's um, it only goes through third or sixth grade or, or something like that. But um, it was a five hour long hearing where the bill sponsor didn't know what was in her bill couldn't defend what was in it, couldn't answer our questions, and just really um, didn't know what she was doing. It was really embarrassing for Missouri that our lawmakers approach lawmaking that way. Uh, you know, one of one of my colleagues, Marlene Terry, who is the chair of the Black Caucus, she made a fantastic point in committee, which is we have filed so many bills that would actually move the needle for students and educators in this state. But instead of focusing on that, we're spending five hours on don't say gay what are we doing? You know, where are our priorities as a state? Um, if that's what we're focused on, it's really disappointing. Now I just had state representative Spencer Wetmore from South Carolina on. So a similar issue, a super minority for them. Uh, just like you, very impressive, regular person, you know, who's trying to make a difference, uh, where she can. Uh, and you know, we talked about the issues of the districts, gerrymandering kind of forcing people from who would be a in an r4 district competitive to an r30 districts or a different person but well one of the things is like the incentive structure for people in politics right now seems very warped do you think that the people that you're meeting with i think a lot of sorry for babbling a little bit here but i think a lot of people outside of it are just cynical and think oh they're just playing to donors or whatever but how much of that craziness that silliness is sincere and how much of it is cynical to get national support or get donors or whatever do you think it's actually sincere because these are regular people who are just you know fed lots of crazy information from fox news and newsmax i think it's both um you know i think some legislators uh sincerely believe this stuff um i think that in Missouri, one of our big challenges is term limits. So in um, each chamber, we can only spend a total of eight years. Um, That would be four terms for a state representative and two terms for a state senator. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of that, and in a Republican super uh, majority state, the challenge we have is Republican primaries. So when when someone terms out in the legislature, they want to run either for, if if they're terming out in the House, they want to run for Senate. If they're terming out of the Senate, they want to run for statewide. Um, And so they're they're constantly looking at what their next step is. And to win a Republican primary in this state, you have to move so far to the right. So I think some folks mean it, and some folks are doing it so they can win their primaries. 
And not only do you have to move up, but that means that there's open seats, which I guess there's a lot of, there's a lot of competition that's just in the Republican or maybe Democratic primaries. Absolutely. And I think that 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 is what we see. You know, we we don't see a lot of competition in in, um, lots of places in the state. In fact, I think we had um, I'm not I'm not going to get the number right, but we had an obscene number of uh, of districts, a house district across the state that didn't have a single Democrat running. Um, And that's because it's so hard to recruit in in some places Mm -hmm. in our state. You know, Um, even if you are proud to be a Democrat, um, you risk losing your business. You know, you you risk, uh, you know, being ostracized in your own community uh, for just for putting your name on the ballot. And, and that's just not worth it to some folks, unfortunately. Well, in addition to you, you risk a lot of things as a Democrat because, you know, you might risk yourself in the community. Don't you risk yourself as a moderate Republican because then you have to take some positions. So maybe you are, you know, one of those traditional business Republicans who, like I see in every state, it's almost like there's three parties, Democrat, um, MAGA, Republican, and kind of in the middle. Um, Don't you see that there's a lot of otherwise decent Republicans who choose not to run because they'd have to ruin their own reputation? Absolutely. In fact, we saw some uh, a really devastating primary, in my opinion, this year in uh, northwest Missouri, um, where a, a representative who was a first term Republican was running for reelection. He was primaried by a very young woman who previously worked for Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene. And she won her uh, primary and mm-hmm. she now serves in the legislature with me, um, whereas, you know, the, the previous representative was, in my opinion, a pretty common sense Republican, you know, he, yeah. he had some ideas that I disagreed with, but he was not a lunatic. And, and now he's been replaced with someone who is on the extreme. Yeah, we had that here in Pennsylvania where we had new districts and they were considered fairer. But as a result, a Republican state senator who was well liked by both parties and in leadership, he lost by 15 votes to someone who just cared about CRT issues, which I have yet to meet one Democrat in my 200 podcast who has made that their top priority. Yeah, no, it's, it's just not. Well, let's talk about priorities because you had priorities when you first ran. Are the priorities you have today in the legislature after seeing and being part of it the same priorities as when you first decided to get involved? They've shifted a little bit, um, and, and that's really just because my eyes have been mm-hmm. open to what we we really can and cannot accomplish down there. Um, you know, a lot of times as a member of the super minority, I believe that filing bills um, will do nothing more than start a conversation on the issue, um, and, and that's okay. <laughs> you know, I guess that's kind of where we're at in the state. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that my priorities have shifted a bit. Um, but really, at the end of the day, my, my number one priority is always going to be listening to the folks in my district and filing legislation that makes their lives easier. And you have been promoting some legislation that may get some bipartisan support and probably isn't going to be understood by people who aren't paying attention, especially to protect women um, and women who may be in, in uh, bad relationships, right? So what are right, the kind of yeah. things you're working on there in Missouri? Yeah, so right now in Missouri, uh, the way our uh, – sort of the, the statute around uh, divorce works is that uh, if, if one partner is pregnant, a judge cannot issue a divorce decree in the state of Missouri. Um, and, and that is because of some, the way it's written uh, requires that for a, a divorce decree um, to be issued, they um, the, there needs to be a custody arrangement created. Well, if, if we do that, right, then we start getting into the fetal personhood um, our argument and and we want nothing to do with that especially in a state where we've already 
banned abortion. So um, what what I have done is is uh, proposed a uh, a simple change to statute that would simply just um, allow a judge to issue. Um, a divorce decree, what that would do is basically close the case after the divorce, and then the court would have to reopen a new case for custody down the line. What this does, I believe, is it helps women who are in abusive relationships. Um, This is actually brought to me um, by an organization in my community called Synergy Services that works with um, uh, domestic violence survivors as well as at-risk youth, and and they told me that this was an issue. Um, And when I looked into it, I was shocked Mm-hmm. Uh, truly shocked that there were folks who were being denied a divorce because of pregnancy status. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I proposed a, a bill. I actually had um, uh, help from one of my friends across the aisle in writing it to practice family law, and I'm really hopeful that I can get some bipartisan support and move this bill forward. I think the biggest um, um, health threat to women who are pregnant is actually violence from men, right? Republican offices who they focus almost entirely on communication and like 
social media stuff. Is that the unfortunate incentives now is just to show you're the biggest fighter possible? And is that true even on the, the left side where the people you work with, they're like, we want you to fight. We know you're going to lose, but we want to know that the next person's going to be really fighting regardless of what happens. Yeah, I think that that's a constant push and pull of being an elected official. You know, fi finding the opportunities to really stand up where you need to, um, and then also, um, you know, work across party lines um, when that's most effective as well. You know, one of the things that I hear often from activists um, is that, you know, we're not pushing hard enough, we're not fighting hard enough, we're not loud enough. Um, and, you know, then, of course, what I hear from moderates is that we're focused too much on the wedge issues when mm -hmm. uh, the reality is we don't drive a conversation in this state. We're, we're constantly reacting to what the Republicans are putting in front of us. And if they want to spend three weeks talking about hurting trans kids, we are on the defense and we have to spend those three weeks defending those kids. Um, and, and while that not, may not be a bread and butter issue for uh, most Missourians, um, you know, it, it is something that, that we're forced to do because of the position we're in as a super minority. Yeah. And like you said, they're pushing a lot of issues that are culture war issues that most people aren't thinking about that are impacting a small minority of people, probably, but having a really devastating effect on those people. So you see the impact that legislation has, the negative impact um, of that legislation or the negative impact of your bills not getting passed. Uh, one question I've been asking a lot lately, especially with my Senator John Fetterman dealing with mental health issues, and I really appreciate that you stood open about it. Um, what, what do you think you do to take care of your own mental health? Do you think that's important for legislators right now to do something distracting or to work together? Because, you know, we're real people and we understand the impact of these bills. Absolutely. Uh, I will say I am so, so grateful to uh, the folks that I work with. I have um, I was lucky enough to be elected in 2020 uh, with a group of female legislators from Kansas City who I've become incredibly close with. Um, down in Jefferson City, I live with three other women, um, and we have formed a fantastic uh, bond over some of the, the struggles that we face down mm -hmm. there. Um, this is a, a group of folks who, at the end of the day, I can come home to and uh, talk about what what we went through. Um, we can, you know, go over it and and. Uh, compare war stories a little bit you know we joke that it's a, a bit of trauma bonding mm -hmm. <laughs> you know in this job um but at the same time you know um just just keeping things um keeping things uh, as light as possible in my personal life <laughs> is really important to me I like to laugh a lot when I'm at home with my family because um you know sometimes I have weeks where I cry on the drive home yeah. um I, I wish I could say that that didn't happen very often, but it, it actually happens frequently. Um, and I think that that's okay. And I, and I think that, you know, seeking the things that, that um, work for you as a, as a, an individual is the best thing. You know, some of us are in therapy, some of us meditate, some of us work out, some of us run, um, you know, we all have our, our outlets. Um, but for me, I'm, I'm a communicator. So having those relationships and those friendships has been just game changing for me. Yeah, I first started really thinking about that when I talked to an Arizona state senator, Christine Marsh, and she's a runner, and, you know, that's helped. It's her own. She's like, running is my therapy, and I was like, well, that's – everyone should have something. Like, I like to read comic books. It's stupid, right? It's not stupid, but it's just a nice thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you you said you you ran and won with some women. There are only There's only one state that has a majority female legislature in the country, and that's Nevada, and that's obviously recent. Um, I'm a, to paraphrase Homer Simpson, I'm a straight white male, age 18 to 45. Everyone listens to me. 
what can we do to encourage more women to run for public office and what would that impact be? You know, I, I think that the most important thing that we can do is for current female um, electeds to start really mentoring and building a bench, not only for their successors, but for other, other elected offices in their communities. Um, You know, there are fewer women serving in the Missouri legislature now than there were in the nineties. And that is unfortunately due to the fact that probably Democrats um, had a majority in the nineties. And, you know, when I look across the aisle, there are so few women on the other side of the aisle. And I, the misogyny in that building, the misogyny even against Republican women Mm -hmm. is mind boggling. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of reasons that women don't want to run for office. Um, whether it's leaving their families or uh, you know knowing that it's a constant uphill battle being surrounded by um, you know a majority uh, of conservative men. Um, but uh, in terms of the impact it would have, you know, yesterday we debated a bill um, on the floor where it, it, all it would do is require insurance companies to um, provide access to a, a diagnostic mammogram, essentially. So, so uh, women um, currently have access to um, their first mammogram, just their screening. Um, but if something concerning is found, they're asked to come back for a second. It's the exact same procedure, but they just look a little bit closer, right? Well, the people who stood up to speak against this bill, which was carried by a Republican woman, I should mention, were all men. And they were fighting for the insurance companies, saying the insurance companies are just going to take that cost and pass it on to the rest of us with you know increased premiums. Uh, but it was wild. We had Republican women standing up and supported this legislation. We had Democratic women crying at the microphone talking about how they've lost friends. Um, I spoke on my own personal experience with breast cancer a few years ago, which is that my sister-in-law, um, thank God she's cancer free now, but she's been dealing with this since I was elected. Um, and you know, this is something that, um, affects so many women. Um, and to see so many men in that room speaking up against it, um, you know, that's the impact that, that women have in a legislature. That's the impact is, is making sure that um, women have voices that, you know, a man isn't going to carry that, that piece of legislation because they truly don't understand. They've never been in that room. They've never had a mammogram. Mm-hmm. They don't know what that's like. And they don't know what it's like to get the news that you need a second. Um, and so having those voices, having that that level of um, understanding and empathy, I think is so important. And one last thing I will say about women in the legislature is that the women in the Missouri Senate um, truly are an incredible force. Um, this new Senate, um, may be a little bit different, but over the last, uh, four years, um, the women in the Missouri Senate wrote a book, um, together about their experiences in politics, about every single woman who's ever served in the Missouri Senate. They came together and, um, basically saved, um, uh, Medicaid funding, uh, nearly two years ago during a special session, uh, when conservative men were trying to, um, create Medicaid reform out of, um, a simple FRA bill. Um, and, and that is the power of women in, in the legislature, right? That is the power of women working together. Mm-hmm. It was 
so incredible to watch them work. It was so cool um, to watch them come together um, again from both ends of the political spectrum um, and, and really fight for what they knew was right for, for families across the state. Yeah, we are so far from what would be considered equality in the legislatures and in government. I mean, it's great that we have a female vice president, female, we had a female speaker of the House, but we've never had majority women anywhere aside from Nevada in Congress or in the country. And the impact, I think, would be huge. Um, But, you know, one thing we can do to mentor women is have more people possibly talk to you and learn more, get that information about where they can go in their area, what encouragement, um, especially maybe if they're in a red state or district for legislature or city council or school board. Where would you recommend people reach out to you uh, to learn more and uh, maybe get some encouragement? Yeah, I definitely follow me on on all my socials. I'm very responsive there uh, on Twitter. I'm Ashley for Mo. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, and my my website is AshleyForMissouri.com. Um, you know, send me a message. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, it's it's such a, a scary and important endeavor to get into politics. And um, you know, I, I welcome everyone. Well, I appreciate that I got to talk to the only Ashley from Missouri that there is. So if you're running for office in Missouri, have a different last name potentially, or she'll maybe figure out something else you can call yourself. Uh, Thank you so much, Ashley. Are there any closing words you want to give for why you want to encourage other people to run for office? The only thing I'd say is that your voice is so much more important than you believe it is right now. I assure you that. That's a wonderful way to end. Thank you so much, Ashley. Uh, And if you're listening, please share and subscribe. Reach out to me, TonyHeil at gmail.com, or follow on social. And maybe you should run for office, too. too.